I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. must see the central narrative that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, August 18th, 2022, the 575th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. To do that, you need to be a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. It is under a quarter per episode, and you'll get all the writing immediately when I post it. So if you want to support me, you want to support the show and the work I do, that's the best way to do it. But let's get started. A few years ago, I would have told you that Sam Harris is one of my intellectual heroes. I studied philosophy in college. I studied Uh, ethics. I studied biomedical ethics. I studied Plato and Nietzsche and Aristotle and Kant. I studied symbolic logic and analytic philosophy. And back then, college wasn't woke and philosophy classes weren't about gender and women's issues and trans rights. We focused mostly on hard classic philosophy. 
And as I did that, as any philosophy student would have done at the time, I encountered arguments for and against the existence of God. Now, I had never had an experience of God in my life. I was raised going to an Episcopal church, which is kind of church, I guess. And I just never felt attached to the material. I didn't feel attached in any way to the ritual of going to church. In fact, I found it boring. I didn't want to go. And when my brothers and I became teenagers, my parents left it up to us whether or not we wanted to continue to attend church. And they kept going. My older brother and I stopped going. My younger brother actually was in a church choir at the cathedral in the nearest city. I lived out in the country. And even after that point, we would still go occasionally for Easter or Christmas. But once I got through college, and then particularly once I moved to Los Angeles, I had absolutely no interest in going to church. I found it odd and creepy that people would stand and sit and kneel at the same time and chant the same phrases because it made no sense to me. It had no point to me. And after college and my philosophy courses and my own thought, my own writing, my own experience in life, I was a pretty avowed atheist and I would happily speak out about it. I made fun of people's religious beliefs. I made fun of how religious beliefs impacted culture because all of it seemed like everyone had just chosen their particular fairy tale and they were willing to base everything off that. That was my understanding. And to burnish that understanding, I would read people like Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dennett. They were known as the four horsemen of the new atheism. In my experience, what religion did was cause wars and and marginalize people and confuse people. It would force individual beliefs on individuals that did not share them and force a system of society and government on those people as well. And my experience with people who called themselves religious and people who said that they were believers in God was mostly that they didn't have the capacity to support any of their beliefs. They wouldn't really talk about them. They would just say they were right and I was wrong. And I would say I was right and they were wrong. But I also had a great friend in Los Angeles who had been a youth pastor and he had attended seminary. And we used to have conversations about the existence of God for hours a night with a drink and a smoke. And I always enjoyed those conversations. I don't think either of us ever changed the other person's mind at all. But I was always happy to listen because I knew that he was sincere in his belief. He was educated about the content of that belief. And so I like to explore what his ideas were. But none of that ever changed my mind, because even if it made sense for certain people to believe in religion, it was still a bigger thing to me. Look at the negative impact religion has on the world. So, you know, you choose your story. I choose my story. My story is not having that negative impact. Like if the Catholic Church has a problem with the way they treat children, to use a euphemism, that was not my problem because I was an atheist. I would never support that sort of thing. And it was the religion itself, the institution of that religion that was causing the problem. And now 
whatever the Catholic Church does is a separate conversation from this one. So I'll just leave it there. But that's how I looked at it. And I didn't see any problems that arose from atheism because atheism to me was just the lack of a positive assertion that God exists. And to me, there was no reason to assert that God exists. We can get all of this in a simpler way. We can sort of explain creation with the science, just like religious people can sort of explain creation with religion. And at the time, that's all that mattered to me, because the only evidence that I actually accepted as evidence was the sort of pure, hard, physical evidence that no one can dispute. The truth is that that kind of evidence, first of all, does not exist because there will always be someone to dispute everything. At the end of the day, evidence is just what convinces most people of one position. But I was also demanding evidence of something that, because of its nature, precludes that sort of evidence. Faith doesn't mean anything if you are able to prove each and every aspect of what you believe. It's understanding that you don't have full knowledge and that you don't even have access to full knowledge and believing something anyway. And in opposition to that is the science, the belief in scientific materialism, which is its own faith-based belief. And that was the part I didn't understand. And that's the part that somehow Sam Harris still does not understand. So I read The End of Faith. That was his first big book. That was his coming out party. He also wrote another one around the same time. I'm not sure if it was before or after called Letter to a Christian Nation. And that was essentially an argument that the Christians of America need to understand the damage that the religious practice is doing to society. Sam Harris was in fear of a burgeoning theocracy. And you'll hear that in the YouTube clip I'm about to address. And he was even more forceful about this when it came to Islam. He wrote this in the aftermath of 9-11 and the beginning, the first few years of the war on terror. And a lot of people needed that message in some way, that there was something genuinely wrong about the people we're told have attacked us and that it's not as simple as just saying it was these people. This is an isolated incident. No, it's about the entire religion. And by the way, there are arguments on both sides of that that are valid and interesting. But we are certainly not going to go into the pros and cons of Islam right now either. But that sensibility in America at the time obviously helped make this book an enormous book. And the premise was essentially it's not just the religious texts that are bad and it's not just the religious people doing the bad things who are bad. It is the act of faith itself that is bad. Believing in things that can't be proven is inherently dangerous. No matter what, you will always run into a problem through belief systems developed that way. And Sam Harris, as an atheist, believes that he does not have that sort of belief system. A few years later, he wrote a book called The Moral Landscape, and The Moral Landscape was essentially an argument for utilitarianism, arguing that 
whatever creates the greatest good across society is also morally good. It's essentially a mathematical equation about creating pleasure or joy or happiness or satisfaction and reducing suffering in the aggregate. And his claim was that science and study and data could give us eventually enough information to have a full and complete picture of everything that's happening in the world, the motivations, everything else. It's very much the image that transhumanists have about what the AI is capable of, what the data capturing algorithms and data analyzing algorithms are capable of. And once you've acquired that sort of omniscience, then you will know what is good and bad. And omniscience is an aspect attributed to God, omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. And understanding that you can detect what it is they're trying to do with the transhuman movement. They do want to be omnipotent. They are accumulating power right now. We can watch them doing it in the real world. They do want to be omnipresent. They want to be in absolutely everybody's homes with smart devices. They want to be in your body with medical devices that will give them real-time data on your health status or your vaccine status, your health history, the sorts of things you're eating, what the chemicals in your body are doing. They want to know absolutely everything from every single possible viewpoint all the time, and they want to acquire enough power so that they can project their vision of good on the world. Of course, these are also the same people who believe that a large percentage of the world's population are or will become useless eaters because AI and technology will make humans just human workers totally obsolete. So the argument is that we don't need any moral thinking at all. We essentially just need science to tell us what is and is not moral. And then we should all just ascribe to those rules. And that is essentially what is being pitched to us by mainstream culture anyway, even without the science. We need to turn to the experts. They'll figure out what the best thing for everyone is based on their own set of variables, their own data, their own terms, and their own motivations. And then they'll tell everybody else and everybody else is required to do it because it's good. It's the highest good. It is the good derived from science, which is the good derived from the authoritative source. And of course, the authoritative source is the God of the false reality. And within scientific materialism, all of this makes sense. Everything that can be known and can be believed is a factor of our material world. And if we are just able to capture all of that information and understand it, then we can correspond better to our environment and to the people in our world and to the changing situations as they emerge. But what underlies all of Sam Harris's belief system, and as you'll see, his unfathomable ignorance is a faith in that scientific materialism. He thinks that the science has to be right because it's science. And that is not 
one of the qualities of science. In fact, it's kind of an inversion within the false reality of the purpose of science in the first place. Science is an ever-evolving process. And Sam Harris would even say that while in his actions and beliefs denying it. He would say science is the best version of knowledge that we have right now, and it will continue to get better. Whereas these old systems of belief are stuck in the past and they are dead. They are not evolving. And we already know what they are and what they do and what the results of these beliefs are. So we must leave them behind. We'll replace them with the latest research. And that's how we move forward. We just trust in the science, or at least we say we do, because if Sam Harris followed that belief system exactly, he would already be acting differently than he does. Now, one of the four horsemen, Daniel Dennett, he is a psychologist, and he wrote about a theory that he calls belief in belief. You don't necessarily believe in God, but you know it's good to believe in God. Therefore, you believe in expressing that you believe in God, and that's what you do. You say you believe in God because it's good to believe in God, not because you actually believe in God. And his Conclusion from that argument is that many of the people or most of the people who say they believe in God don't actually believe in God, and it's proven in their choices, the way they lead their lives. But of course, modern science is certainly not the only way to advance humanity unless you have a technocratic or transhuman goal in mind. Humanity has survived for thousands of years without modern science. And in fact, modern science has been in some ways responsible for some of the greatest human atrocities in our history. And we can look back to World War II and Nazi Germany and see the medical experimentation and the total devaluing of human life. We can see that reflected now in our medical institutions, and we just wave it off. Oh, they weren't practicing the science right back then. You got to know about the latest research. Once you understand the latest research, you'll see how important this science is now. We have faith that the scientific method is what's going to lead us into the future. But they don't explain how humans have gotten here so far. Humans have gotten here without modern science, and maybe their lives were more difficult. I would never say that we haven't made incredible advances, but those advances come with trade-offs. Sure, it's amazing that the world is interconnected on an informational level through the internet. That is astounding, and it's produced unquestionable goodness in the world. But it doesn't only produce unquestionable goodness. It's also responsible for having people so atomized. It's responsible for how deeply people believe in the false reality. It's also at least partially responsible for the fact that pretty much no one really exercises critical thinking anymore, at least not those people with faith in scientific materialism. They've been completely separated from reality by the way information is spread and influenced through their means of entertainment. And we can see this in the world because people are far less happy. But if you believe that morality can be decided in the aggregate based on what science can teach us, but science is still evolving, you're going to make a bunch of mistakes. And 
if you're going to make a bunch of mistakes, shouldn't the people that those mistakes affect have some sort of say in that? These people say no. The experts are the ones who decide these things. And if the experts make mistakes, well, those are just speed bumps on the road to progress. And progress is the most important thing. In fact, for these people, there is nothing else but progress because they don't have a belief in God. They don't have an, a true belief in purpose. They can begin to or attempt to find purpose in the material world, but there's no purpose beyond that. These are the sorts of people who will argue in favor of their own death, not their own personal death, just the death of humans who aren't like them because the planet is too populated. Now, of course, they don't know what that means either. They say it's a problem of resources. People aren't going to have all of the material things they need. But what does that mean? Did we have all these material things a few hundred years ago, a couple thousand years ago? The ancient Greeks might have lived a cruder existence in terms of their homes or the ways that they used the bathroom. But there is also incredible history and knowledge and insight and even science from thousands of years ago. That is still applicable today, and that's why people still study it. Are we just supposed to believe that everyone in ancient Greece lived a life of eternal suffering? I'm sure that the poorest people of ancient Greece didn't have nice lives, but the poor people right now don't have nice lives, and that is in large part to the way people like Sam Harris govern society. And so if you followed my work for any stretch over the last two years or so, you'll have heard me talk about what I call the party of false decorum. And I have worked on that idea because I want to be able to explain what the commonality is between people like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and on a lower level, people like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, or Barack Obama, or on a lower level, people like Sam Harris and Yuval Noah Harari, the intellectual elites of our society, the corporate elites, the medical elites, the people who run the tech companies. What do all these people have in common? And you could see their belief system pretty regularly. You could draw it out of experience and information. It's not that difficult to do. But why are there so many people who don't have that status, that power, that wealth, that education? Why are those people going along with it? What is the commonality between the people right now who are still asleep and those people at the very top rung who are out there telling everyone about what has to happen? Why are these people willing to obey? What do they think they get out of it? What is the commonality? And I believe the commonality is that they are incentivized through status, wealth, and power. And the way they go about achieving wealth and status and power is by impressing someone on a higher rung of that ladder. That's what college degrees are for. It's basically just a piece of paper that says this person is free to move up if someone chooses them. So you essentially have this huge portion of society that believes the way to advance in life and eventually find happiness is by impressing the people above them 
on that ladder. And they basically disregard the people below them on that ladder because there's nothing they can get from those people that's going to help them climb the ladder. Now, to remain in the party of false decorum or achieve success within the party of false decorum, there are certain things you need to do. And above all, you need to be completely committed to the party of false decorum. You need to say the right things when you're called upon. Sure, you can disagree here or there. But if you disagree, it must always be in a way that doesn't actually threaten any of the underlying beliefs. If you happen to go against that, you'll be punished. You'll be called out. Part of your status in the party of false decorum will be diminished. And it will continue being diminished unless you begin to pledge your fealty again. Unless you begin to do things that signify to everyone that you are still in the party of false decorum. You are still committed to achieving success within the party, which means now you need to impress a whole bunch more people who are higher on the ladder than you are. And Sam Harris, despite whatever heat he has taken from certain liberal circles or certain religious groups, has made it through and finds himself very near the top of that ladder in the arena of elite intellectualism. He has some of the world's most prominent intellectual elitists on his show. But those aren't the only sorts of people that Sam Harris has on his show. He has people on that describe synthetic meat and how that will be the food of the future. He has David Frum on, who is an absolute conspiracy theorist. He basically argued America into the Iraq war that never ended. He was a huge Russia hoaxer. He has more Trump derangement syndrome than probably anyone on the face of the earth. He's had on Stanley McChrystal. Stanley McChrystal ran Defeat Disinfo, which was a an information technology operation, a technique that had been developed to manipulate terrorists in the Middle East. He brought that back to America and used it on American citizens during the 2020 election cycle to help take down Donald Trump. Not making that up. Look what Defeat Disinfo is. Look into it. He has Richard Dawkins on, who's a famous biologist, more famous for being an atheist. He has Barry Weiss on, the simpleton that has found herself a sweet spot in what we are supposed to imagine is the center while still being asleep to virtually everything. She figured COVID out a year and a half or two years too late and then got credit for being brave enough to tell everybody else in the false reality that what she's just found out might actually be true. He has on globalist fools like Ian Bremmer and Klaus Schwab's transhumanist philosopher king Yuval Noah Harari. He has Clinton and Obama legal people like Preet Bharara and Cass Sunstein on. He's had science clown Neil deGrasse Tyson on, and he's even had former CIA director Michael Hayden on, someone who is looped right in with the entire Russia hoax. And not to tangent too far, but Michael Hayden just tweeted yesterday, I agree, and I was the CIA director, to this tweet from a man named Edward Luce. I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. 
have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. So the former CIA director agrees with that. But Sam Harris also agrees with that. And don't get me wrong. He has had some great guests and great conversations. I'm not trying to take all that away from him, but the underlying belief system of his and the one that is most primarily represented on the show is one that requires a faith-based belief in scientific materialism, even as the science changes, even as the science makes mistakes. The people who are harmed by that are speed bumps on the road to progress. They don't actually get a say because where the world should be going is not dictated by them It's dictated by the experts. It's dictated by the science. We don't need to live like all those primitive people back in ancient Greece. They couldn't even figure out how to do TikTok dances. They didn't even have TikTok. Well, they did have court jesters, but those people were actually performing for the king, whereas all of the court jesters on TikTok are performing for other court jesters. And now you might say, okay, but these people are really smart. They just have different beliefs and opinions than you do. But that's not true. I would say to that, they might be smart in the false reality, but it's not possible to be smart in reality. If you believe in everything in the false reality, you're going to make a whole lot of mistakes and you're going to end up sounding like a complete and total moron. And we're going to get to more of that in a second. It's not actually possible to be smart in the false reality. It's not possible to make good decisions in the false reality, and you can't determine right from wrong in the false reality. There's no way to be smart under those circumstances. You can be an expert at the false reality. Don't get me wrong. Just like you can be an expert on Game of Thrones knowledge. Remember all the people who were like, yeah, but you see the books, they they didn't do that. The TV show, you know, it just doesn't work for me because the books did something else. And they'll tell you about the character's history and about the history of the world and all that. And you're like, wow, man, you really have a brilliant understanding of the Game of Thrones novels. And to the extent that I'm interested in Game of Thrones, you have improved my understanding to some small degree. But at the end of the day, all that knowledge about Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones is still fiction. Okay, you don't become a smart person in real life from knowing everything about Game of Thrones. Although, honestly, now that I say it, it might be a better path toward wisdom than reading science fiction from Yuval Noah Harari, okay? And it is science fiction. They are creating a future world that you will accept because they're explaining to you how good it is. But they haven't even gotten to that point, much less figured out whether or not it's good. Remember how they talked about vaccines? You've all know Harari's been talking about vaccines for years. He's been very scared of pandemics because he's the philosopher king of Klaus Schwab. How did that work out? Are the vaccines working well? The New York Times has a weepy article out today about how only 5% of parents have gotten their toddlers vaccinated. Another way of phrasing that would be 95% of parents realize they've been lied to about COVID and vaccines, and they don't want to burden their child with their continued terrible choices. You could describe the situation that way. 
But there's no reason to believe that the future they describe is actually coming or that it will be good because there's no longer any reason to believe that the science is true or that the people generating the science are applying the scientific method and doing the best possible work to achieve the best scientific outcome, not the most desired outcome of the people who are funding the science, the best scientific outcome. There's no reason to believe that the science at large even has that as a goal any longer. And there's no reason to believe that they're practicing in good faith. There's no reason to believe that they're being honest about what they find. And when all of that is true, having faith in scientific materialism is dead. But Sam Harris, in all his brilliance, has not realized that yet. In fact, he doesn't think there are any problems at all. He thinks that people should get COVID vaccines because they're free. And the strangest thing is that on March 11th, 2020, I listened to a podcast with Sam Harris and Amish Adalja from Johns Hopkins University. And they discussed this new pandemic that was just arriving. March 11th was the day that things first began getting shut down. And they talked about a low infection fatality rate, 0.1 to 0.3, which meant that somewhere between 99.7 and 99.9% would be the survival rate of COVID. They talked about how chloroquine might work, or hydroxychloroquine might work. And then within a few weeks, Sam Harris was saying the exact opposite of all of that. He jumped on board the COVID train and is still riding it. He just gave up altogether on his relationship with Brett Weinstein, and I think Eric as well. That was the intellectual dark web. That's the kind of thinker I was up until COVID. And Brett and Eric Weinstein had some good contributions from the intellectual dark web. So did Jordan Peterson. But I thought it was more important than that. It wasn't. They all still existed in the false reality. And to some degree, they all still do. None of them support Trump, which if you know about the real reality and aren't able to do, you are missing something massive. But Sam Harris is bound to be one of that small portion of humanity who are indeed lost forever. He's not just a good German. He's committed to absolutely all of this, all of the scientific materialism, all of the globalism, all of the transhumanism, the AI, all of it. He can't wait for it. And he is still 100% committed to believing that Joe Biden actually got 81 million real legal American votes. The big lie is so scary. And no matter what, None of it matters because stopping Donald Trump and his supporters is the only priority. So let's get into some of what he talked about on the Trigonometry podcast. And I put this video out last night. This morning, apparently, little clips of this video are viral all over Twitter. And I feel like Sam Harris is probably having the worst day of his life because His position in the party of false decorum is being threatened from the outside. He is basically on stage and having tomatoes thrown at him by people in the cheap seats and the people in the expensive seats can do absolutely nothing to save him. And they don't even really want to. Sam Harris imagines that he has some untouchable intellectual status where 
Anyone who disagrees with him is either stupid or a conspiracy theorist, but he does not know what anyone who disagrees with him actually believes because he doesn't know anything true. He is an expert inside the false reality. And when the false reality and the empirical, concrete, observable reality connect in the life of a person like Sam Harris, he is totally unprepared to deal with any of it. Let's get into the interview. You took a, a different view to almost everybody, I would say, in what was described as IDW, in, right. in the sense that you were, uh, I think you were calling for Twitter to shut down Trump's account and yeah. were happy that it happened. Yeah. That's a very different position to pretty much everybody else. Why did you take that position? Well, for two reasons. One, so the, the non, uh, the generic reason is and this is something I've never gotten a clear answer on from any of the people who t took the different side of this. Um, and many, so many of these people are ostensibly libertarians, or at least you know, quasi-libertarians, and they, they want a, a, something like a minimum of state coercion and, and control. They don't want just a, a proliferation of laws to, you know, just to, to make our lives more difficult. Um, and that's, a, that's an orientation, you know, though I'm, I consider myself liberal- and have always voted as a Democrat. I mean, until until we dealt with this woke apocalypse, you know, I, I would have certainly called myself a Democrat without much self consciousness. Um, I, you know, I've, I've always had this libertarian uh, kind of underpinning to my my politics, which is, you know, if the private sector can handle it, it's probably best done there, right? I mean, just given the level of inefficiency and and, and poor, poorly aligned incentives you get in a government bureaucracy. Uh, and peaceful, honest people should be should have the right to be left alone. You know, so it's like if, unless somebody is harming people or um, you know guilty of fraud, you know, the, the i.e., theft, but you know, uh, um, and, you know, stealing from people, we don't need the government involved. And um, so you know, that's my general framework. And many people ostensibly in in this group ostensibly agreed with that. Um, now, almost every elitist will give you some version of that. Even most of the people who will call themselves diehard Democrats very much on the left, they want the Green New Deal, they want all of this stuff. They will still say that they believe people should be mostly left alone because in some sense, they'll know that that is morally right and they don't want to have the world controlling their lives. But once they reach a point, and that point is whatever scientific materialism tells them it is, it's whatever the authoritative source tells them it is, all of that libertarian leaning goes right out the window. They stop caring about it completely because now they have found a reason why the authoritarianism is necessary. And at that point, once it's morally justified in their minds, then the authoritarianism is good. So they don't actually have libertarianism or freedom or any of that as a hard and fast principle that should only be violated in the most extreme cases. It's just a utopian moral statement that is bendable whenever they see fit. So when I look at Twitter, you know, Twitter is a company that can decide to, you know, I mean, as someone who has started, you know, information-based companies at this point, I'm just thinking about what, what is, what's the scenario under which I would want the government to force me 
to have Alex Jones on my podcast or to have Donald Trump on my podcast? Shouldn't I be able to have anyone I want on my podcast? Is it conceivable that my podcast could grow so big or that my, you know, that any other platform, you know, I've considered creating a social media platform, right? If that could grow so big that suddenly the government would have an interest in forcing me to have people on it who, for whatever reason, I object to having on it. I mean, I, so I, this is this is some this is a way in which I'm I'm more extreme than than most people on the left. Like I I do think at this point in history, you should be able to have a social media platform and exclude any specific group you want, and just say that's the way we do it, right? And if you don't like it, boycott us, right? So like I I wouldn't have said this in 1964 when we're we have to pass a civil rights act. But at this point, I think you should have the right to be an asshole who destroys your reputation and, and suffers the, the, the penalties in, you know, in the marketplace of ideas, right? So I think if, if you want to just have a social media network for beautiful people, right, or people who are, you know, guys who are over six feet two and blonde hair and blue eyes, right, you know, I can't get on, you should feel free to, you know, raise money for that enterprise, launch it. And I'll be, you know, I'll laugh when it fails, right? So like that's, now under some construal, that kind of thing, you know, is or should be illegal, you know, if you're, if you're just a, a normal person uh, on the left. So Sam Harris imagines in some way, because he might have at some point thought about starting a social media platform, that his podcast is somehow an analog to Twitter in the real world and that he as a person shouldn't be forced to have Trump or Alex Jones on his podcast. And by the same notion, Twitter shouldn't be forced to have Trump or Alex Jones or any of us on Twitter. Twitter is a private platform, according to Sam Harris. And that is true within the false reality. Sam Harris actually thinks he's making a conservative argument right now about not violating Twitter's status as a private company, not having the government involve themselves in what Twitter chooses to censor or not censor platform or not platform. He thinks this is a very good argument. This is a perfect parallel for someone as ostensibly smart as Sam Harris. This should break down right away, but it doesn't because Sam Harris doesn't actually care that his principles aren't consistent. He's saying that the government shouldn't be able to tell the private platform what to do. But he also believes that the government should be able to tell people what they have to inject into their own bodies and the bodies of their children. He's also apparently ignorant to the fact, completely ignorant to the fact that the government is already working with Twitter to make these decisions. This has been proven countless times. I, me, my picture exists in a FOIA document requested from the Secretary of State in California that shows the Secretary of State in California working with the Joe Biden campaign PR company and the social media companies to delete people's social media posts if they don't repeat the slogans of the California Secretary of State when it comes to elections. I did a video talking about how the Secretary of State of California had changed my voter registration to permanent mail-in without my knowledge or doing. That was just something true that happened and that got taken down. That was what was in the documents. So that's the government of California working with 
the private company, to censor Americans. Alex Berenson, the weakling and fool who settled with Twitter rather than getting to discovery as he promised the people crowdfunding his lawsuit to do, he has proof that the White House itself was working with the social media companies to censor him. The social media companies and the government, particularly the intelligence agencies, are indistinguishable at this point. Twitter is an information weapon, and Sam Harris has apparently no idea about the connection between the government and the social media platforms. So the private platform, the private business argument is gone completely. It's just off the table. And the fact that Sam Harris doesn't realize that is a factor of his living in the false reality where that's not true yet. And truthfully, I can't say that I know Sam Harris would care anyway. He would probably just create another excuse so that the people he wants banned can still be banned because Sam Harris doesn't have principles. His principles emanate from his view about what's best for the whole world, always from his perspective. He is always on the side of what's best for the world. But... Uh, I don't think I think at this moment in history, it shouldn't be. But in any case, I just when I look at Twitter, I see a company that has a term has terms of service, which people like Alex Jones and Trump clearly violated. I mean, whether they in fact violated this terms of service as written, I think they violated any uh, coherent terms of service that, that Twitter should have had. Right. Like you. It's worth noticing how often Sam Harris says, right. After he makes an assertion that isn't true, he wants the agreement of whoever he's talking to and their passive agreement will work just fine so that he can continue down his line of thought without ever having his premises questioned. But those premises are ridiculous and he just defeated them himself. He said that Alex Jones and Donald Trump clearly violated the Twitter terms of service, but he doesn't actually know that. And he says he doesn't know it two seconds later when he says that even if these aren't violations of the letter of the law of Twitter's service, it should still be a violation in the terms of service Twitter should have based on Sam Harris's perspective on the situation. So the moral argument is now private business violated terms of service, but it's not a private business. And he's not even sure that there were violations of Twitter's terms of service, but no matter it clearly violates whatever terms of service Twitter should have. You shouldn't knowingly be able to turn your mob on a private citizen and ruin their life, lives through doxing, right? Which is what Jones and Trump were doing. Sam Harris does not seem to know what doxing is. Doxing is giving out someone's private information, like where they live and their phone number. Those aren't things that Donald Trump and Alex Jones did. I think Donald Trump might have given out Lindsey Graham's phone number, which is maybe wrong, but hilarious. And that's me maybe violating a principle, by the way. I don't actually remember the details of that story. If I looked into them, I might feel differently. But in general, doxing is wrong. Directing people towards someone's public information, like a politician, is not wrong. They have a public email, a public phone number, a public office. 
they're in the government, that information is already open source. People can go find it on their own. So relaying that to someone else is not a big deal. But Sam Harris doesn't seem to know what doxing is. He thinks doxing is saying that someone actually did something wrong and then followers on Twitter piling on to say that that person did something wrong. Well, that's what cancel culture is. And the left uses it all the time. And Sam Harris can talk all he wants about how he doesn't approve of cancel culture, but he's not suggesting that those people get kicked offline. Now, if Donald Trump talks about someone generally around politics or someone who's pursuing him in one of however many get Trump efforts. Like if Donald Trump talked about Mark Elias and then everyone on Twitter went after Mark Elias, that's fair game. All of these people say terrible things about Donald Trump all the time. They have hunted and searched for his tax forms, his tax returns, and wanted to publicize those. They have gone through Donald Trump's personal life, his history, everything possible because they're trying to get Trump all the time. So it's not bad in their case, but it is bad if Donald Trump and Alex Jones say the wrong things. If people and if people are harmed in any way or feel threatened or feel abused by the Internet in any way. It's the fault of Donald Trump and Alex Jones for saying the things they said. And all of that together counts as doxing, which is something that apparently they must do all the time. It just again and again and again to people every time. I mean, Jones was doing it with the Sandy Hook parents, right? You literally have. But that's not what he did to the Sandy Hook parents. He talked about how he thought Sandy Hook was a false flag operation. Their names were already out there. Not that Sam Harris cares. But Sam, you're conflating two very different people. I mean, Alex Jones does not belong in this conversation. Yeah. I'm not interested in Alex no, Jones no, yeah, well, right the, now. But the, I would dispute that. I think Trump is essentially, we got Alex Jones as president of the United States. I don't think they're very different people. I think that it's the same phenomenon in my, in my world. Because just the, the level of, of misinformation, disinformation, lying, the charlatanism, the, 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 the conscious fraudulence of everything at scale, and the targeting of individuals with 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 known consequences right like like trump every time trump singles out a specific citizen and says look at this jackass who's you know trying to you know whatever whatever the the claim would be that is a human sacrifice we know that person's life is just never the same again because he's turned tens of millions of morons on that person and, you know, vicious morons on that. I mean, like that, I mean, that's the, the, the core of the Trump phenomenon is now and has been for many years. I mean, really, since the beginning, Trump supporters are vicious morons. Trump is a fraud and a liar. So is Alex Jones. So it's a necessity to censor them and ban them from the public square because all of the vicious morons will do everything they say. It is a cult, you see. Now, can Sam Harris go back through any of that history and attach the dishonesty he claims these people are displaying to a real world circumstance? Alex Jones says a lot of things that sound crazy when he says them, and then he turns out to be right. Not about all of it. You don't have to be right about everything. Sam Harris lives in a false reality. He's not right about pretty much anything, but no one's trying to censor him. That's not the response anyone should have. Prove your case and then the conspiracy theorists will be gone because no one will believe them. 
Maybe they were just wrong. But instead, you can't talk about it. Why can't you talk about it? It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to allow people like them in the conversation. That's why you don't get to be in the conversation. You are a vicious moron. But don't worry, it's not a hate movement. It's definitely not a hate movement employing scientific materialism to continue their overall agenda. It's definitely not that. It's got nothing to do with World War II. Since he, you know, certainly since he became the front runner and, and certainly since he became elected in 2016, it's a personality cult. I mean, it has all the dynamics of a personality cult. These are not reasoning. Yes, there are some, there are a few calculated people like Peter Thiel on the margins who have some story as to why they would back him, right? But the core of the cult, you know, which is all, you know, nested with QAnon and, 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 uh, conspiracy thinking and the big lie and you know it's it, like trump can do no wrong right he's um that is so it's yeah, i mean as a venn diagram it's just now inside the false reality all of that probably makes sense it's all conspiracy thinking it's all lies the big lie the big lie sam harris almost two years later is still using the term the big lie to describe the effort to prove election fraud to the entire country. Election fraud is a fact. It's an obvious, overwhelming truth about the world with an incredible evidence base to support it, where the claim that Joe Biden received 81 million real legal American votes has no evidence underlying it whatsoever. The TV said so. Bill Barr said so. CISA said it was safe and effective. And the courts threw out cases on procedural issues. That's the only evidence, except the evidence that 81 million people cast real legal American votes for Joe Biden is in the votes. Why can't we look at the votes? Because the votes show that's not true. So rather than letting them look, we're not even going to let people talk about looking. We're going to call it the big lie and then threaten and defame them and slander them. So no one will ever want to ask. No one will ever challenge any of it. It overlaps 80% with Alec, the Alex Jones phenomenon. So I just, I see them as the same problem. I see these, these are, these are, you know, if they're not actually clinical, clinically, you know, diagnosable as psychopaths, they're the next best thing. These are people who are so malignantly selfish and so careless with respect to the consequences of their actions in the lives of others that if you if you are if you own a platform or you're you know you're overseeing a public a, pub, a public company that owns a platform, why should the government force you to keep these people on? Right, like, what, like you should be free to say, sorry, you're not on my watch. Are you going to be having these consequences? So they may not be clinically diagnosable as psychopaths. But they're psychopaths nonetheless, because Sam Harris himself has diagnosed them. And while he can't say for sure that they're psychopaths, they're functionally psychopaths. So they should be regarded and treated in the same way as actual psychopaths, which means we can remove them from society for society's benefit. And again, he thinks this was just Twitter's decision as a private company. While anyone with any sophistication about social media understands that's not true. And Elon Musk is actually kind of proving that in the world right now. Yeah, and with, with Trump, it was after January 6th, it was just, I mean, that's when it happened. I, I thought it happened 
a year too late. But I mean, January 6th finally convinced Dorsey he should kick Trump off. And that, I mean, if that's not going to convince you. Now, I'm not trying to stop in the middle of his thoughts at any point because I want to present this as in context as possible. But he drifts between thoughts and I don't want to leave something like that on the table. So he not only believes in the big lie, he also is certain that the very deadly insurrection was the greatest crisis in American history. And anything after that is now morally justified. That is all it takes for Sam Harris. That's it. No principles anywhere. Just say this thing is so dangerous and then you get to do whatever you want. That, you know, we have we, we had a, at that point, we had a sitting president who for months and months and months, I mean, you know, at least six or eight months, you know, certainly months prior to the November election, would not commit to a peaceful transfer of power. Now, that is ridiculous, and it's based on the way media would ask him questions. They wanted him to commit to accepting the results of that election. While he knew the election would be overwhelmingly fraudulent because he's seen it in other elections before and he has access to information Sam Harris simply doesn't have access to. Sam Harris believes that Russia won Trump the 2016 election. He believes Trump is illegitimate. And so he thinks that Trump should accept the results that are given, even if the results are false. Why would any responsible person accept that? idea under those terms. And of course, in the false reality, all of this makes sense. Donald Trump, the entire time leading up to the election and then after the election, all he cared about was staying in power because he's an egomaniac who can't stand to lose. And he's dumb and his supporters are violent conspiracy theorists. They're a cult who's going to do whatever he says. And that's what we saw on January 6th. And then he did you know, certainly something, whether it was everything in his power or just a lot, he managed to see that we did not have a peaceful transfer of power, right? And then, you know, so the, who, what's gonna, what's the mob going to do on January 7th and 8th and 9th, you know, if you just leave Trump on the platform? I, th I mean, I just thought it was a, a very simple decision to kick him off and, and it, 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 totally analogous to the Alex Jones decision. I mean, What's the mob going to do on January 7th, 8th and 9th? Well, they didn't do anything because there wasn't a mob trying to attack the Capitol. No one was trying to stage an armed insurrection, which is why none of them had guns, which is why no one recovered any guns. They didn't kill police officers like Sam Harris probably believes in some large measure. He wants to just import that false story from the false reality that was true in the beginning. The New York Times reported it must be true. Let's continue believing it's true, even if we'll say now that it might not be true because we want to import the meaning of that false story. The people killed that day were unarmed Trump supporters killed by the Capitol Hill police. But Sam Harris doesn't care. The mob didn't do anything after that. People went home peacefully when Donald Trump asked them to. And there has not been any political violence from the right since then, even while we have to bear the indignity of being governed by an illegitimate president who can't think in complete sentences. And Alex Jones is just less consequential, but I mean, there are Sandy Hook parents who have had to move 10 times 
since their kids were murdered. That's all on Alex Jones, right? And it's, and it's all conscious. It's all, it's, all, it's all, he could see the consequences of his actions in real time. It's not like he woke up after, you know, five years and thought, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, it was totally inadvertent. I released a podcast and, you know, then it, it had this totally unforeseeable consequence in the lives of the, these grieving parents. No, no, he monetized their misery with just a blizzard of lies. Yeah, uh, Alex yeah. Jones is a, for me yeah. a different case, but, yeah, but I hear I, what you saying. I think Trump. I mean, Trump is just. I hear what you say. He got, so in he your got, mind, they're, they're similar. He I got the you. reputation washing of having successfully become president. So Trump and Alex Jones are the same, and the only way they're different is that Trump somehow wiggled his way into being president. He just tricked everybody into voting for him, but he's just the same as Alex Jones, and they both should be off Twitter because Sam Harris says so. Twitter's a private business, even though they're not. They violated the terms of service, even though he's not sure if that's true. And everything is justified because Trump's cult of vicious morons might attack our democracy once again. You know, he's Alex Jones. Okay, yeah. uh, Francis, before you, you move us into COVID, uh, let me try from a different angle, Sam, sure. because I want to explore this intellectual point. Yeah. Right? Do you really want to live in a country where you have a digital public square, which in my opinion, Twitter is. We can disagree about that if you want, but that's my opinion. It's a digital public square. And you have a company that has clearly one-sided enforcement. I, I hear what you're saying about delegitimizing de the electoral process that Trump did. Right. And I was concerned about that. I think you can't question the system in that way. Now, this is why I will never listen to the trigonometry podcast. I don't find these guys that interesting. They are bright within the false reality, and they might know some aspects of the actual reality. But then they go and say things like that. You don't think you can question the system in that way? based on some potential future danger it might cause. So you just silence yourself and allow the corrupt government to steal the presidency of the United States, literally the most powerful position in the world, you know, outside of the global communist infrastructure at the very top. You could argue that they are far more powerful than the president of the United States, when a Joe Biden or a Barack Obama or a George W. Bush or a Bill Clinton, etc., is sitting in the presidency. But that position matters. So even on a practical level, that is a terrible principle to not be allowed to question that system. But it matters way beyond that, because you don't have a country if you don't have fair and free elections. That's just true. The will of the people is not represented. And in a self-governing country like the United States is meant to be, that simply doesn't work. The sanctity of the vote is the most important thing, which is why you should be able to question the system and check it to make sure it's working. But again, we have a problem of intellectual elitism and we have a problem with these two trigonometry hosts making sure that they remain in the party of false decorum and they'll probably gradually inch toward reality over the next couple of months or couple of years and they'll try to just slide their way right back in while being the smart people the entire time but that's not smart 
But when you see that he gets banned and then a story about Hunter Biden gets banned, mm. that under the guise of it being Russian disinformation, we later learn it wasn't Russian disinformation. Right. That to a lot of people seems like, you know, I said it when we were talking to Joe Rogan, it's putting your hand on the scales yeah. in favor oh, yeah. of one side. In the digital public square, you add that to the banning of Trump and lots of other people being banned from one side predominantly. Right. Is that is that the world you want to live in, where one team gets to just ban people it disagrees with off the platform? It gets to pretend that things that are true are not true. It gets to shut down the sharing of information with people who want to make their own democratic choice. Now, that was a great question. But you can't say you can't challenge the election system before setting up that question. They're premised on the same thing, which is free speech and inquiry. But that doesn't matter because if he says anything other than what he said, well, then he's risking his status in the party of false decorum. Well, it's a, it's a hard question. And there are pieces of the question that are individually hard. It's like the Hunter Biden laptop story is something that I still don't have a, a full opinion about. I actually don't know what we should have done about that. I mean, so I, so I see the reason I see both sides of, of it. I, I can argue either side of it. Two years later, he doesn't know what should have been done about the Hunter Biden laptop. He clearly has no idea what's on it. And he's basically saying that right from the beginning. It's implicit in his I don't know. Otherwise, you would have to say that he does know what's on it and that he actually has no principles whatsoever. And we may just find out that's true. The, the, so let's leave that piece aside. The bias on the platform, so, so either Twitter is a company that can do what it wants, right? It can have its own terms of service. It can change its policies. It can, it can change, you know, it can decide to, you know, it, it can have a point of view or not, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, that would be right if that's what Twitter was, but it isn't. That's only true within the false reality. In actual, empirical, concrete, observable reality, Twitter is not a private company just making its own decisions. Or we have to seize it as some kind of you know, crucial piece of public infrastructure that has to, to Do you don't think that it is a terms. crucial piece of public infrastructure? I think, I think people who are addicted to Twitter feel it is. <laughs> right? Most, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, I don't think it should, should be. Um, it's always amazing to me that people laugh and giggle about their addictions to Twitter and everybody who's addicted to Twitter always agrees with those kinds of things. But they are addicted to Twitter. Twitter is what dominates their entire world. It is the intellectual bubble they exist within. On an informational level, it's pretty much the perfect parallel to the party of false decorum. People are promoted or punished for saying the right or wrong things on Twitter. But despite this, it's not a crucial piece of public infrastructure. Each and every one of those people will tell you it's the most important communication system. It's where all of the intellectual activity happens for these kinds of people, but it's got to stay private. It's not a public square. And that may well be what they like best about it, that people like them are in control. People better than them are in control and they're going to make all the right decisions. And because they're a private company, it's just what they can do.
except in reality, the government is directing that. And it's it's odd to say that it's just so it's first of all, it's just I mean, Facebook is much, much, much bigger. Right. It's just that we have a lot of smart people, journalists, uh, brands, uh, political people focused, concentrated on Twitter. So Twitter moves the, the conversation more than Facebook does. But it's 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 the scale of it is much smaller. Um, I don't know. I just feel like. People can start their own companies, which they have, right? So they can start competitors at Twitter. There are many people who, you know, Twitter is not, it's, it's still a failing business, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it's not, it doesn't work really. I um, mean, Facebook is is a much better business. Um, there's nothing stopping Facebook from becoming stickier for intellectuals and journalists and, and it's, it's, it's attracting more of the conversation over there. Um I don't know. It's just it's it's an extreme move to say you you can't you can't be biased. Most of his response was I don't know and right and talking about how Twitter is the place for intellectuals and politicians. That's where their conversation happens. If people want to have other conversations, that's fine. You just have to invent a different platform for it. You can't be on this one. Because we are having a cloistered conversation and we don't need anyone just, you know, the mob of vicious morons. We don't need them participating in our perfect little conversation. Sam Harris has spent a lot of time over the years talking about the marketplace of ideas, but he doesn't believe in that either. And Sam Harris couldn't survive in a marketplace of ideas because The marketplace of ideas, the free marketplace of ideas would include ideas from actual reality. And Sam Harris is not the smartest person in an actual reality. People might actually take issue with how wrong and dumb most of what he's saying is. Right. Like who's who's going to say that? But behind behind the saying of that is a law in the end. And there and therefore it's a gun. Therefore, it's, it's, it's jail time for the person who wants to keep breaking the law. It's a law, therefore it's a gun. And I mean, I think he's probably referring to the idea that at the end of any law is state violence, but where is he going with it? No one knows, including Sam Harris. Right. So like just imagine imagine if Twitter the Twitter board is like what you everyone gets what they want, you know, everyone who's who's of this opinion gets mm-hmm. what they want. You just we're gonna we're gonna come in and 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 enforce something like um uh, a zero bias state in Twitter insofar as that's possible. And if the, if the employees and the board just say, you know, sorry, we, we have a point of view. We want, we want to have, we, we don't like these people and we like these people. Um, what does so now you just break up the company? You just say, you, you, you know, I mean, I, I thought. The funniest thing is that Sam Harris doesn't realize how intellectually crippled he is by what Twitter does. Having a bubbled information stream like that, this cloistered little bubble that they have with all the intellectuals and the entertainers and the politicians and the brands, that actually makes it so that he never has to argue against any point of view that has good points against his. He's only ever arguing with people like him around the edges, around superficial ideas, around stuff that doesn't matter at all. He used to talk about how steel manning 
his opponent in argument rather than the straw man. He would take the strongest version of his opponent's argument and argue against that. Well, where did that go? He's taking the dumbest, least informed, least nuanced, least respectful form of his opponent's point of view, and he is pretending to argue against that. What I thought it should have happened with Twitter is I thought Jack Dorsey should have deleted it. I mean, I literally thought he should, would have got the Nobel Peace Prize and he just <laughs> at a certain point deleted it, right? So again, a room full of three Twitter drones laughs and giggles about how funny it is that Twitter is so terrible for everything, including them. But they just can't give it up because that's where the whole intellectual conversation is happening. That's where they get applauded for their ignorant and stupid points of view, usually being applauded by bots and they don't even know it, but they don't care because Twitter exists to tell them they're right. Their version of the world is the only version, and they are the smartest people at that version. Sam Harris is the intellectual king of the false reality. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't. So in any case, should there should they be forced to be impartial? I'm very skeptical of that. Should they be cajoled by unhappy people like yourselves or like, you know, the uh, the Trump fans to um, to I'm behave just better. The argument yeah, them. I mean, I think so. Yeah, yes, I think if they were going to be imp- the first thing to admit is it may be impossible to do this impeccably, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the, until we have you know perfect artificial intelligence, it's just going to be impossible to be truly consistent with your terms of service because you're always going to be able to find the example of the thing that was not appropriately moderated. But once we have perfect AI problem solved, remember last week I read an article by the World Economic Forum who talked about combining AI, which is imperfect, with humans, which are imperfect, to make perfect moderation. But that can't happen yet because the AI is not perfect and we know that. So we're just going to do our best for now. And we're going to depend on the science. We still are going to depend on the AI. And we're going to say that the decisions are really ultimately the science's fault when the decisions go wrong, but those are just speed bumps on the road to progress. And it's not like it's anybody's free speech. It's free speech of people in the vicious mob and cult that are ruining everything. Yes, uh, but if we all know that if that laptop was Donald Trump's junior, oh yeah, this would be treated. That's, yeah. that's all I'm asking. Oh about, yeah. Well, right? so, so, but that's a, so let's take that piece. I think it was totally appropriate to view Trump in a to be existing in a in a domain that was orthogonal to partisan politics i my criticism of trump is totally nonpartisan right there is absolute there's literally nothing i say about trump that i could say about any other republican sam harris believes his view of donald trump is nonpartisan in that it is not related to any affiliation Sam Harris might have with the Republican Party. He's not criticizing Trump as a Democrat. He's criticizing Trump as a fully objective, total human who just relies on the science and wanting to make everything better for the entire world, according to his perspective. It's not partisan at all, except 
you know, if you're going to consider the global communist party, a party, and then Sam Harris aligns with them completely. And from that perspective, it is absolutely and only partisan and it's not fact based. So you quickly see there's absolutely nothing else. Right. And I think Liz Cheney is a total hero. Right. So so and I don't agree with her politics at all. Right. Like Liz Cheney is a religious maniac by my lights. Right. And in in that sense, kind of a terrifying political figure like 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 that, like the the old me who you know was just worried about the Christian theocracy in, in the United States. Um, would have just revolted at everything she would attempt to implement as a politician. But at this moment, she's, you know, she has no bigger fan than me because of how she's dealing with the Trump phenomenon. And you see, he can't be a partisan because he's a fan of Republican Liz Cheney. He thinks that she is a hero for going up against Donald Trump. He hates her politics. He believes that she is a Christian theocrat, which simply isn't true. I doubt that Liz Cheney has any spiritual belief or guidance whatsoever. But again, it's only nonpartisan if the only thing about Liz Cheney that matters is the R next to her name. Liz Cheney is part of the Global Communist Party as well. So sorry, Sam, Liz Cheney is part of your party, commie. The Trump phenomenon is not a matter of political partisanship. He, he, is, a, he is just a sui generis uh, phenomenon. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's analogous to having elected Alex Jones president of the United States. It's, it's a, it's a. Donald Trump's not a. Republican. He's once again, just Alex Jones. Sam Harris believes he has this argument that is unfolding over time. And it's always premised on Twitter being a private platform, which it's not. And Trump being exactly the same as Alex Jones, which he's not. But you got to just rely on that emotional, visceral response that all the members of the party of false decorum have every time you mention Alex Jones or Donald Trump. And that's the point of agreement. It's not a matter of his like I probably agree with half of his policies or more than half of his policies. It's not a matter of policy. It's a matter of having someone who's totally unfit to have power be given more power than any person in a generation. And and he's unfit for. In every possible way, it's like it's not it's not that he's just got a, a few screws loose, like every screw is loose, every screw that you would want totally cranked down is loser non-existent in him. Yet another totally content-free argument. Trump has a screw loose. He has every screw loose. He is unfit. In what way? In every way. How do you prove that? Once again, revert to his problems with Donald Trump's personality or his manner of speech or something Sam Harris believes Donald Trump has done. Sam Harris was certain that Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels and Michael Avenatti, all of that was real, except Michael Avenatti's now in prison and Stormy Daniels owes Donald Trump half a million dollars. Also, Donald Trump had a very successful four year run as president. Donald Trump set the country on a wonderful course that just happened to be in complete and total opposition to everything the global communist party wants, which is why Sam Harris is so upset. But the lives of the people in the world are measurably worse with the fake administration in place. But Sam Harris doesn't care because he cares about what's best for the entire world. 
from his perspective. Um, and so, yeah, so it's that, that's my argument. So, like, so, so my argument is that it was appropriate for Twitter and the heads of big tech and journal and the heads of journalistic organizations to feel that they were in the presence of something like a, a once in a lifetime moral emergency. Right. So now it's not just Twitter that gets to shut down Donald Trump and all of his supporters. It's the media. The media has a responsibility to respond to this once in a lifetime moral emergency. Is it the emergency of a slave trade at the southern border of fake and unnecessary wars being waged around the world with billions of American taxpayer dollars flowing to them? Is it the moral emergency of forced medical experimentation, including on children or the masking of children, which provides no benefit and increases harm immeasurably? Those aren't moral emergencies. Is it the moral emergency of no one's vote counting anymore to the point where the presidency of the United States can just be selected for a complete old degenerate who spent a lifetime in political office for his own reward? corruptly selling his office around the world to our adversaries. Are those moral emergencies? Will starvation and food shortages be moral emergencies? Is a social credit score the implementation of something that tracks everyone all the time and allows them access to society based on the decisions they make according to that standard? Is that a moral emergency? Apparently not. The moral emergency is having someone who might battle the agenda of the global communist party. Whereas this is not the same thing as not liking George Bush, you know, or not liking John McCain or not liking Mitt Romney. Look at that. Sam Harris knows exactly who's in his party for their politics. This was here's a guy who is capable of anything. Right. He's not he's not ideological. But he's again, he's he's a black hole of selfishness, right? He's 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 just so there's no telling what he's going to do. He's capable of anything. He has no ideology. Trump's ideology is his whole thing. His ideology is America first. This country should be of, by and for the people. And his entire goal is returning that power back to the people and removing the corruption, removing the influence of the global communist party and all their infiltration. That is a very coherent ideology, especially when set next to somebody that believes that they are largely a libertarian, but not when it comes to forcing parents to inject their children with an experimental gene therapy. Sam Harris has no ideology. Sam Harris's ideology is whatever helps him, and he justifies it by his faith-based belief in scientific materialism never failing. Cannot afford to have four more years with this guy, right? And and, and so, um, so what what should well-intentioned people do who have a lot of power in these various ways? You know, you're running the New York Times, you're running CNN, you're running Twitter. What should they conspire to do? Trump is an existential emergency for the global communist party. He is an existential emergency for everyone trapped within the party of false decorum. Therefore, he's an existential emergency to Sam Harris. So what would you do? You could do anything. What could you conspire to do? Anything. And all of it's justified. Everyone should conspire together to get rid of Donald Trump. 
Sam Harris is actually making that argument out loud. No matter how many tens of millions of American citizens want Donald Trump to be president, it doesn't matter. And everyone who can conspire to oppose and prevent that should, morally speaking. That's the science. Admit that it's their fault. Conditions. <laughs> what was Admit that? that Trump is their fault. And that, look, I'm well, someone the, from oh, the left. Absolutely. So. That, that's, well, no, that, that's the perverse thing. It, it's totally their fault. He, I mean, CNN, CNN gave us Trump. Right? Yeah. Well, no, no, before CNN gave us Trump, Mark Burnett gave us Trump. I mean, that is, if, if there's one person who could have not done what he did and, and uh, could have closed the door to this whole phenomenon, it, it was Mark Burnett. The man who agrees with the television about virtually everything thinks it's the television's fault that Donald Trump was president and will be president again. And where did he learn that? From the television and from his community on Twitter who agrees with everything the television says. Shocking how that works when the same people producing the television messages are the ones creating the rest of the messaging emanating from the World Economic Forum the global governing bodies, and eventually the very elite intellectuals. Yeah, no, so by giving him the attention, you know, but he was, he was great ratings, you know, for a year, for the whole run-up to, to the 2016 election. Oh, yeah, no, there, no one has clean hands here. But it, at the 11th hour, when it's, when, who knows how this election is going to go, who, know, who knows what the capacity for, you know, disinformation at the last minute to to tip the balance is. Then what do you do with the Hunter Biden laptop story when we already know we, we know how this played out in 2016 with the Hillary Clinton email you know press conference where, where Comey in, 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 a, in an abundance of scrupulosity felt like he had to come before the cameras, I think, 10 days out from the election and say, you know, we've we're going to open up this this investigation again because we've got Anthony Weiner's laptop. What do you do at the 11th hour when you know the only important thing that matters in the world is preventing the American people from electing Donald Trump again? Well, if you were a good person, you would do anything possible to stop that. Just imagine what disinformation could have come out that would have helped Trump if we weren't there to control the flow of information and tell people things like 51 former intelligence officials say that Hunter Biden's laptop may be Russian disinformation. You know who signed that letter? Sam Harris podcast guest Michael Hayden. Strange how that works, isn't it? We could see. I mean, again, her failure to become president was overdetermined. She was a, an appallingly bad candidate. Mm -hmm. um, but. In terms of just tracking the poll numbers, you could like that was that was the killing blow to her candidacy, right? That that final moment, and this was a this was a highly analogous situation. Every bit of analysis he's providing is something within the central narrative. The television says all that about Hillary Clinton. That is just the edgy version. That's the one that's going to upset liberals a little bit. The I'm with her people will be upset about that. And making each side a little bit upset is what makes you a centrist. It's not about principles. It's not about appeals to higher goods or what the Constitution actually sets this country up to be. It's just about making sure you have a centrist opinion. 
That way you get to disassociate yourself from all the bad ideas on both sides without ever actually taking a stand for yourself. And you'll allow all those bad ideas to become real in the world, but it won't be your fault. Open up this laptop from hell and the news cycle for who knows how long is going to be just just conceivably just a nuclear bomb of an October, October surprise. And we're going to get four more years of Trump if we actually give this a fair hearing. So we don't need to give whatever's on the laptop a fair hearing. We already know that Trump is the worst no matter what. And that's all that matters. But Sam, but you can't do that, Sam. Surely you've got to realize that you've got to be fair. And number the thing that I want to we're talk, all equal before the law. Yeah. And aren't the, we? And the other this thing, isn't the law. But I know it's not the, the law, law. But yeah. if this is if you accept my my supposition that this is the public square, then it is the law. It is. If it is the public square, then it is law. Now, you're arguing it's not the public square, which is fair enough. Yeah. So, again, the argument hinges on Twitter being a private company, which it isn't. Right. That's right. fine. Yeah, Look, no. Why don't we move on? Because I think we, we've done enough. Yeah, on sure. yeah. He's sucked up a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's, he's got to have that. Yeah. 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 No, but I'll just say, just finally, I, I do, th- I, again, it's like a coin toss for me, the Hunter mm-hmm. Biden laptop thing. Because I, I do understand how corrosive it is for an institution like the, the New York Times to show obvious bias and inconsistency and dishonesty in how they it's like they couldn't even so he understands that it's bad for them to show bias but he still wants them to show obvious bias the only problem is with how it looks to the public which is just about the most party of false decorum argument you could ever possibly make everything is about image and perception frame it honestly it's not like (laughs) it's not like it's like the way I would frame it is, uh, listen, I don't care what's in Hunter Biden's. I mean, Hunter Biden at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Right. It's like it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden. Right. It's not it's like it's not Joe Biden. But even if Joe, like even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is like if you if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right? Or China. It is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. Hunter Biden could have the corpses of children on the basement floor. That could be on the laptop and it wouldn't matter. It doesn't matter about the corrupt dealings in Ukraine and China and Russia and elsewhere. None of that matters. Doesn't matter what connection those particular countries and those corrupt dealings might have to, let's say, COVID-19 or the 2014 coup in Ukraine or this current Ukrainian war. None of that matters. Hunter Biden could have literally killed children. And the excuse is, well, it's not Joe Biden. It's just his son, Hunter. And we can't really go down that rabbit hole because It's just going to take too long. And who knows what we might find. And if we were to find something bad, then people might vote for Donald Trump rather than Joe Biden. And we need the adults back in the room. Anything is justifiable from that point of view. There are no principles active 
whatsoever. And Sam Harris isn't a bad person for this perspective. He's just trying to create the best world for everybody from his perspective. If that doesn't include our elections being free and fair and having the will of the people represented, well, you know, we're just going to have to make do. It's that important. In a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account like that. That's a, just a conspiracy. That's a left wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely. It was absolutely right. So vicious mob of cult follower QAnons, not that Sam Harris has any idea what QAnon is. They attacked the citadel of our democracy. So they're very, very dangerous. But the left wing conspiracy to make sure Donald Trump didn't get elected is totally justifiable. And as we're about to find out, not a conspiracy theory. It's just a real life conspiracy, but a good one. But I think it was warranted. Right. And I'm, and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not Sam, I'm sorry. that particular piece. I'm, I'm really yeah. sorry. I, I was the one that said we should move yeah, on. Yeah. But you've just oh, said yeah. something I really struggle with there, which is. The, you kid, support. The, kid, the kids in the basement? You, no, no. <laughs> Fuck yeah. the kids in the basement. I'm interested yeah. in democracy. It is strange how flippant they are about even the abstraction of murdered children in the basement of a powerful political family. That is the stuff of jokes, you see. And I'll give a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to the guy interviewing Sam Harris because in his mind, Sam Harris is just joking and just making an extreme statement. So that's worth laughing about. But he cares about our democracy. You're saying you are content with a left wing conspiracy to prevent somebody being democratically reelected as president. Well, no, I'm, I'm content. Well, so it's, but the thing is, it's just not left wing. Right. So Liz Cheney is not left wing. Right. Right back to the prior argument. Sam Harris believes in the Republican Democrat paradigm. He thinks that he sits somewhere in the middle of that. That paradigm does not exist. Liz Cheney is a global communist in the global communist party, just as Sam Harris is. Liz Cheney is a Republican. She has an R next to her name. So therefore, neither of them are left wing, even as they promote a purely one world communist agenda. He has made a point of saying he's a big fan of Liz Cheney. So now Sam Harris can't be accused of being left wing because he likes Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney and John McCain and George W. Bush. These are all the sorts of people, the sorts of Republicans that Sam is happy to associate himself with. And it's true that they just actually happen to share the overarching political priority of creating a global one world government and communism for the people. Liz Cheney You're is doing everything in her power to prevent somebody no, being democratic. It's not a, no, but there's nothing conspiracy. It's not. It, it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does, but it doesn't matter if it was. A, it doesn't matter what parts conspiracy, what parts out in the open. I mean, I think it's like if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do about this phenomenon. You know, if, if it's like. So the most powerful and wealthy people and organizations are allowed to conspire to do something if it's out in the open. And now, of course, two years later, it is out in the open that that's what they did. 
But people like Sam Harris didn't pretend that's what they were doing at the time. They pretended that this was an issue of substance and they were on the right side. They understood the facts. They understood everything relevant to make decisions and they made the necessary decision. So it's fine for the most powerful people and organizations in the world to conspire against the will of the American people and deprive the American people of the president they chose. That's all good. And if there are, in fact, the corpses of children in Hunter Biden's basement, it's better that we don't know about it, at least for now. About this phenomenon, you know, if, if it's like if there, if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and, and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course. Right. Is that a conspiracy? You know, like some of that conversation would be in public. Some of it would be in private. We have a massive problem. We have an existential threat, right? Politically speaking, I consider Trump an existential threat to our democracy, right? Sam Harris considers Trump an existential threat to our democracy. Therefore, he is an existential threat to our democracy on par with an asteroid hurtling toward Earth from outer space. Everything must be set aside to deal with this one problem. And no matter how much immorality might emanate from that decision, it's worth it. It's worth it because we have to save everybody, especially the planet. Strictly speaking, I consider Trump an existential threat to our democracy right now. It's not he's not going to destroy the world. Very well, likely destroy democracy in the process of protecting democracy. No, that, but that doesn't destroy. No, our our. I'm not what I'm not suggesting. At no point was I suggesting we should stuff ballots no, or, or, no. or actually break the machinery of democracy. But Sam Harris removing people's ability to speak. That's OK. For Sam Harris, denying people the information they need, necessary information to make decisions is OK because Donald Trump is an asteroid. And that doesn't harm the democracy in any way. It wouldn't be like stuffing ballots and stealing the election. It wouldn't be like creating doubt in the machinery of democracy. That's what destroys democracy, not actually suppressing the political speech of the president and the citizens who support that president. That's just fine. What version of democracy is Sam Harris a fan of? I would like to ask him that question, not that I'll have the opportunity and not that he would have a good answer. He doesn't have a good answer. Democracy is the system that allows the global communist party to continue ascending. But the all, pol political opinion is already being just, just completely inundated with misinformation, bias takes, half truths mm -hmm. and outright lies, right? Like and. and yeah. Or just the amplification of, of bad or misleading information based on, you know, the algorithm, right? Um, yeah, Sam Harris, you're a purveyor of misinformation and you host purveyors of misinformation on your podcast. It was misinformation. In fact, it was disinformation. It was malinformation that Hunter Biden's laptop had anything to do with Russian disinformation. But you say that was totally warranted. You're for and against disinformation. So really, you are for disinformation when it benefits you and against disinformation when it benefits someone else. You're against disinformation 
according to your standard of what disinformation is and your standard of what disinformation is, is whether or not it helps you. Isn't it great to be an elite intellectual? Then you can figure out how your desires for how you want to see the world and your own personal benefit actually makes sense for everyone else and should be made universal. So it's like it's already just an abattoir of opinion, right? And now the question is, you know, what can you do with your own biases and your own the, 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 to, to, to get the outcome you think is actually better, not just for yourself personally, but for the world, right? So He's now arguing that his biased position is best for the world. And so it's okay that he has a biased position and an unprincipled position because, again, it's best for the world. Trump was an existential threat to the world. Now, nothing he did in his four years in office would actually evidence that statement in any way whatsoever. But it's still true to Sam Harris because Sam Harris exists in a false reality. And within that false reality, the thing that is saving the world, the only thing that can save the world is the global communist agenda, the advent of transhumanism, a total reliance on the experts as they bring us the voice of the authoritative source, because Sam Harris has an undying faith in scientific materialism, no matter how often it is proven wrong and no matter how bad it makes the world for everyone who's not like Sam Harris. It is I'm completely unconflicted in in the claim that a tr that a, a first Trump term was bad and a second Trump term would be bad. And it literally doesn't matter what was what what else was on the, the menu. Like literally pick a pick a, a random American better than Trump in the in the Oval Office. Like the, the, the likelihood that you're going to get someone who's worse than Trump given what I consider that is bad about Trump is, I mean, it's, it's on the order of one in a million, right? Right, right. I mean, right. Doesn't everybody agree with my personal position that literally anyone in the world is preferable to Donald Trump? Therefore, we can do whatever we want to make sure that Donald Trump isn't president, even if tens of millions of people vote for him, even if tens of millions more people vote for him than the fake president currently sitting in office. It's his opinion that that's the worst possible thing. So therefore it is. And anything at that point is morally justifiable. Right. Like you're just not you're not going to get you're not going to get worse than Trump if you pick it random. And, you know, Hillary Clinton, for all of her flaws, was not worse than Trump. Joe Biden, for Joe Biden, we could have known Joe Biden was going to just be comatose in office, not worse than Trump, right? Um, Kamala Harris, not worse. Like, like it's all, and, and, and again, it's not just a, a marginal call. It's just these are people who are normal politicians who are so much more constrained by predictable machinery, right? And there you have it once again. They're constrained by the predictable machinery. The predictable machinery is the global communist order that Sam Harris supports, that Sam Harris's friends support, that the intellectual elites support, and that the party of false decorum supports. And Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris are all constrained by that. 
They don't threaten that. They won't harm that. In fact, they're going to do the bidding of that order. And Sam Harris benefits. So Sam Harris thinks that anything is justifiable in achieving it. There's, there's like there's there's such less of an opportunity there to destroy institutions that we have to rely on, right? If, with with any of those people in charge, including a random person in charge, a random person who's going to be terrified at the responsibility of the office and default to expert opinion, you know, uh, across the board. And Sam Harris has told you exactly the society he wants. He wants a society governed by people who will always defer to the experts because the experts have to be right. They correspond to the science. The science corresponds to the authoritative source. All you have to do is have faith in the authoritative source and everything's going to be just fine. The authoritative source gives the right answers because that's part of the definition of what the authoritative source is. So all we need is just a random person in there who's just going to follow the experts. Trump won't do that, though. So he's not only bad, he's evil. Because everybody knows we can't just let people make decisions for themselves. Like, they don't even know the first thing about AI or neuroscience. <laughs> they don't even know about synthetic meat. Those morons. And I bet they're not even going to want it. Turns out only 5% of toddlers are being vaccinated. These morons, these parents who are just morons. Um, no, Trump is, again, Trump is an Alex Jones level figure for me. And, okay. and okay. so, you know, it's, it's analogous. Like a smaller problem is to just for some billionaire to buy the New York Times and give it to Alex Jones to run, right? That would be an enormous, that would be a catastrophic loss and mistake. But that's a smaller problem than getting Trump reelected. And there you have it. That was about 15 to 20 percent of that interview. They talk about a whole bunch of other subjects, but that's the political section. And Sam Harris is having a bad day on the Internet over all of this today. And that's well deserved. I'm sure he will record his next podcast to explain how he was right the whole time. But you should see this for exactly what it is. It's not just Sam Harris. This is representative of an elite mindset, an elite intellectual mindset where this much ignorance and maliciousness and misinformation and poor moral judgment. The entire thing is just a masterclass in how to have a complete and total lack of principles. But no one cares. In fact, this is lauded. People who are still trapped in the party of false decorum, still trapped in the false reality, still trapped within the central narrative being the only thing that informs them about their lives and their worlds. This makes sense. This is smart. This is one of the most important interviews they could ever imagine. He's saying all the things we believe. The problem is you don't believe anything. And none of it is based on anything. It's a complete and total faith-based dependence on scientific materialism. It's the belief that the central narrative has to be right because the central narrative is all there is. Anything outside of the central narrative is disinformation. That's the sort of thing a cult leader might tell you. Sam Harris is scared of cult leaders. 
But he agrees with that principle, at least. Anybody who's not in the cult should be removed. In fact, they should never be allowed to speak. Their thoughts, their opinions, their decisions, their role in culture means absolutely nothing because they're in the cult, not Sam. Sam's not in a cult. Sam would never be in a cult. His faith-based beliefs are just really grounded in the science and everyone knows they're true. And he's always looking out for what's best for the world from his perspective. He can say and do and defend anything he wants on whatever grounds because he has the science behind him and the smart people, the people like him know it's smart. Now, the people on the other side, the people much worse than Sam Harris. Sure, we can have a discussion about their lives having some sort of human value, but not really not enough to participate in the decision making. That's for people like us, people better than them. People better than pretty much everyone. We have access to the experts. We have access to the science. We are the closest to the authoritative source. So what we say goes. You have to understand our one principle is doing whatever is best for the world from our perspective. And since that's the highest moral good, everything else falls away beneath it. And at that point, as long as we say we're looking out for the entire world, well, then we can do whatever we want, but that's not the goal. It's all for everyone else. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash imyourmoderator. And I'll see you soon, out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!